Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the PCICS podcast, the official podcast of the Pediatric Cardiac Intensive Care Society. I'm David Warho, your host today. I'm a cardiac intensivist at Rady Children's Hospital, and I have the opportunity to interview Michael Gaze, a pediatric cardiac intensivist at the University of Michigan, who's the executive director of PC4, the Pediatric Cardiac Critical Care Consortium. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you since we go way back. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, tell me, Michael, for our listeners who don't know what PC4 is, can you kind of explain the premise and the background? Absolutely. I'd love to. PC4 is a quality improvement collaborative that began in 2009 with uh, some NIH funding from the National Center for the Advancement of Translational Science. We focused our efforts on using data to improve the lives of patients and families who confront critical cardiovascular disease and specifically who are treated in cardiac intensive care units. We took a pretty agnostic view of what that meant, wanting to be as inclusive as possible, hospitals with many different types of cardiac ICUs, systems of care, and certainly our uh, focus has broadened uh, from the early part of PC4's existence, which was really about defining quality of care outcomes and metrics of quality and measuring performance of cardiac ICUs to now being focused on using our data to uh, actually affect change, reduce practice variation, and uh, improve outcomes for the children who are treated in our units. Great. And how has it changed the way that we understand quality and outcomes in the pediatric cardiac ICU? Well, that's a good question. And it's not one I necessarily have a defined answer to because I'm not sure how we defined quality uh, in the cardiac ICU prior to uh, the inception of PC4 and the metrics that we've created. Certainly, there were other databases that had some excellent um, outcomes for benchmarking and uh, allowed hospitals to look at their outcomes compared to others but none that were maybe particularly focused on the cardiac ICU, accounting for the very unique uh, aspects of the patients in our ICUs and the case mix differences. And so when I started as a cardiac intensivist and before that, when I was a fellow, I really had no idea how our ICU performed. I didn't know what it meant to have a high quality ICU in terms of the outcome metrics. And certainly we didn't have any way Uh, or repository to look at those uh, when I was first starting out. So I think just the the biggest contribution that we've made in PC4 is defining metrics of quality uh, for cardiac ICUs and making it easy for hospitals to access those data. And in the last couple of years, PC4 has been pretty ubiquitous at pretty much every big cardiac meeting, including at PCICS with new science pretty much every year. Um, but as you mentioned, it started way back in 2009, and probably the work that you started to get it going was even before that. So tell me, how did the idea come about and what were kind of your first steps as you started this process? Uh, Well, I appreciate the question because it's the story that I probably enjoy telling the most about PC4. I was a second year fellow uh, doing my cardiology fellowship at the University of Michigan, and uh, we rotate through the ICU for the majority of that year. And I remember very vividly 
uh, and this is now about 2007, standing in our ICU with our ICU director and our division chief. And I asked them, are we a great cardiac ICU? And there was this very uncomfortable silence and they shuffled around a bit and then finally said, well, yeah, of course we're a great cardiac ICU. We're the University of Michigan. And I said, well, that's not really an answer to the question. What are the metrics that tell us that we're performing well? And the truth is none of us had an answer at the time. And so, you know, this really inspired in me the idea to say, well, we've got to come up with a way to define what high performance is in a cardiac ICU, because I firmly believe that when you study high performers in any field, you get clues as to how to change your own performance if you're not in that group. And truthfully, there's no such thing as high performance across all um, categories or domains of care. Um, We can always learn to do better. And so I really believed in the concept that if we studied each other's performance, we'd learn from one another. So That was really, uh, that conversation was really the inspiration to say, how can we get there? And um, we really wanted to model our approach to that of some very successful groups who'd shown the power of this infrastructure and this approach. Notably, uh, you know, I think the Children's Oncology Group uh, decided a long time ago that they were going to collect data on every patient that, that they cared for, because that was the only way to really learn and, you know, that's been a really successful uh, organization to improve the, the outcomes for kids with cancer. And then, you know, we look uh, even closer to our own field um, in adult cardiac surgery in the Northern New England Cardiovascular Disease Study Group and the powerful um, impact that collaborative learning and sharing outcome and practice data with one another in a very transparent way has led to, you know, tremendous improvements in that region in cardiac surgery and been disseminated much more widely. So from that initial conversation about are we a good ICU and then looking at how how groups of hospitals and groups of providers work together to improve the lives of their patients, not just locally, but on a much broader scale, that was really the impetus to start PC4. And what was the early process for you? Because you were a fellow at the time. So how did you get things started? (laughs) Well, we got we assembled a group at the University of Michigan to work on a grant. We, like a lot of things, we were lucky. The timing was good. There was uh, an RFA that had come out from the NIH uh, asking hospitals to form collaborations, consortia uh, between uh, those institutions that had CTSA programs for uh, translational science, for those not familiar with that program. And we found uh, four wheeling partner hospitals to join together in a consortium to define cardiac ICU quality and create a repository for cardiac ICU care. We uh, partnered initially with the virtual PICU system database to augment the existing uh, cardiac module. And we started collecting data, um, you know, uh, once we got the grant. Um, I will say that, you know, as a fellow, when we sat down to come up with the initial uh, database for PC4 or what became PC4. I was in a room with people like Peter Lawson, Nancy Ganiam, Steve Roth, Sarah Tabbitt, the list goes on and on. I mean, the giants in our field. 
And uh, I don't exactly know why, but they let me take leadership of this meeting and really sort of direct the process to build the database and build, um, you know, the initial scientific work uh, within the group at that time. And so my reflections on that are, are twofold. One, you know, these were just an incredible group of people who were willing to let somebody with an idea run with it. And I would also credit my boss, John Sharpie, for giving me that opportunity. But it's really a credit to all of them for allowing, you know, me to work on it at that time. But the other part of this or the other main, you know, takeaway point for me has been that you know, sometimes new ideas really do require people who are more junior in their career to get them going. Um, all of these people who I mentioned have, you know, innumerable responsibilities and ways that they could spend their time. And they wouldn't have necessarily been able to spend the amount of time that I was able to then. So my message to trainees and junior faculty is, if you have a great idea, find yourself a senior champion, a sponsor who will put you in position, get you in the room where it happens. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to, to believe that you can lead that and that your contributions, um, you know, aren't going to be impactful. Great Hamilton reference. <laughs> um, My daughters would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, you're right. It really illustrates um, how important mentorship and sponsorship can be. And when you do have a good idea and a lot of energy and a lot of support, you can create something that's a game changer in your field. Um, but also there may have been challenges along the way. So can you tell me what were the biggest challenges you faced as you got this off the ground? Yeah, I guess my memory of those has dulled a bit over time, but you know, there was, we were finding our way at the beginning. As I mentioned, we initially partnered with the, uh, team from VPS and that was a really successful collaboration for getting this idea started. Um, when about 2011, so two years after we got the grant, we as a group decided that we needed to become uh, pretty nimble and that our focus was going to change a bit from just having a registry and um, you know doing sort of observational science from that registry to being a true quality improvement collaborative as we are today. And we felt that that required an infrastructure that we didn't have. And therefore, we felt it was best to um, sort of start something new on our own. And that's really when PC4 began. Um, and so that was certainly a trying time. We um, had, you know, like I said, a very successful partnership with the team from VPS at the time. But, you know, we needed to move in this direction uh, amongst the hospitals that were committed to PC4. And um, that wasn't without some difficulties. It's always hard to start something uh, new from scratch. And that's what we were doing. We were building a new database. We were building a new reporting and analytics infrastructure. And, you know, we definitely stuck our necks out. And the 12 institutions who were in support of this at the time, you know, really put a lot of faith in the process. And, and again, it's, you know, that's what you need. You need great partners um, we had some, you know, tremendous, uh, opportunities with some private industry, uh, software teams that really supported us. And we were very lucky, 
but that was probably the greatest, um, you know, sort of challenge was starting, starting over and, um, taking the risk of doing something on our own. Um, you know, since then, I think, you know, there's the constant evolution of an organization and, um, you know, there, we felt this tension, um, which is a good tension about how do we move beyond our initial work, of defining critical care, cardiac critical care outcomes, defining variation in performance to actually making a change. And, you know, that's also not without, um, its challenges, but, you know, again, we've had tremendous partnership to, to take that leap. And, you know, I think we're very excited about the uh, progress that we're making in that domain. And the final thing I'll say is that just the size of the organization is now is providing its own challenges. I remember on the eve of our sixth annual meeting back to the first one in 2013, where we didn't fill up half of a ballroom at a small hotel here in Ann Arbor. There was probably 40 people in the room. And, you know, for the next couple of years, I knew everybody in the room from every single hospital. Now we've got 57 hospitals in PC4, and it feels a lot bigger. It doesn't quite feel like, you know, family dinner anymore when we all come together at the meeting. And, you know, I sort of am wistful for those days where uh, where we did know everybody knew each other in the room. But, you know, that is one of the costs of getting bigger. But I think to realize our potential of helping patients and families to the greatest degree possible, that type of growth was necessary. And there's no reason to stop growth when the goal here is to spread the ideas and the improvement as far as possible to help as many kids and families as possible. Yeah, it's amazing to see that growth, you know, from 10 years ago when you got the grant and just a handful of centers. And now you've grown tenfold as far as how many hospitals you're at. Um, since you do have so many uh, member centers now in PC4, um, can you tell me a little bit about what you hear from PC4 participating centers about sort of what are the value or the benefits that they get from being part of the collaborative? Yeah, I uh, thanks for the question. And certainly there's not one answer to this. Um, I think that many hospitals feel and the participants at those hospitals feel the way I do, which is that it's just a tremendous benefit to be able to look at your outcomes and actually, A, just know what they are, and B, be able to understand how that compares to peer institutions. And we consider everybody in PC4 a peer institution. You know, I look at an outcome like extubation failure, reintubation within 48 hours of a planned extubation. And in 2009, when PC4 started, I had no way of even knowing what that number was at the University of Michigan. And if I had known what the number was, I certainly could have told you whether that was average, above or below compared to other hospitals who were caring for patients like, like the ones we were. So something as simple as that, you know, is just being able to know and know if you have an area of strength or weakness and being able to focus on those areas of strength and weakness is, um, to me, the greatest benefit. Um, you know, I think PC4 has made um, the cardiac critical care community a little bit smaller for the people who participate. I think it's really easy for us to share ideas and to get feedback from uh, colleagues on practice variation and areas where our 
practices may differ from those hospitals who are really performing well on a certain outcome or in a certain domain. Um, so I think that those those are the values that I th- the benefits that I think people most value out of PC4. I think many hospitals tell me that they use PC4 data now as the primary way that they communicate outcomes from their heart center to their uh, hospital leadership. And, um, you know, I think that the reporting platform and the way we display data makes it very easy for people to uh, grasp the current state at a hospital and see how things have changed over time. And then finally, I think research, um, you know, we've provided a lot of opportunities to people who have questions they want to answer about cardiac critical care. And um, we've provided a lot of opportunities to uh, fellows and junior faculty. And it's just so crucial, I think, to be, um, you know, training the next group, uh, the next wave of uh, clinician scientists um, who will replace, um, you know, the current generation of giants one day. Uh, and so I think that, uh, you know, the research opportunities, the types of questions we can now answer in the cardiac critical community um, are boundless, uh, given the, the database that we have and, and the granularity um, that we've uh, instilled in it. As you mentioned, the, the mission of PC4 has sort of evolved over that time as well. And now we're going from doing things like understanding quality understanding outcomes in the cardiac ICU to doing things that are actually changing outcomes. So do you hear anything from patients or families or advocacy groups about that? Um, Yes, it's true that we've really shifted our focus uh, in the types of studies and projects that we um, take on in PC4 to those that now have a more direct impact on patients and families and changing care and outcomes in the cardiac ICU. It's not that we've abandoned the, you know, sort of typical observational science that comes from registries and databases, but we are very focused on using those types of studies to drive subsequent quality improvement initiatives, implementation uh, science. So you asked, do we get feedback from, um, uh, other organizations or even from patients and families. And I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. At the organizational level, you know, we are partnering now with other collaborative quality improvement groups within cardiac uh, care, congenital cardiac care, in a group called cardiac, an organization called Cardiac Networks United. And this is a really uh, wonderful organization of people who are all similarly committed to improving the lives of Uh, patients and families with uh, cardiovascular disease, and we are sharing sort of best practices on how to collect and use data and on how to improve quality. And, um, you know, that has really been uh, wonderful to get feedback from other successful groups to see where we can uh, improve in PC4, just in the way we run PC4. And the best um, illustration of that is really what we've learned in watching the NPCQIC single ventricle collaborative and just how they involve patients and families in their organization. And, you know, we've really recommitted to that in PC4 using um, their guidance to engage 
families more in the administration and leadership of PC4. And so that's been a tremendous um, benefit of these types of partnerships between collaboratives. And then PC4 work and how do patients and families respond to it? Well, um, there may be another opportunity for a podcast about the cardiac arrest prevention project through PC4 and Cardiac Networks United uh, that's led by uh, my colleagues Jeff Alton and David Cooper and Darren Klugman, among many others. But we uh, at the University of Michigan are participating in the cardiac arrest prevention project and um, when we go from bedside to bedside and round on a CAP study patient and we talk about uh, what we're doing with the patients and families uh, in terms of increasing our communication with the nursing staff and talking about plans to recognize um, patient deterioration and plans to intervene to prevent cardiac arrest, they love it. They love seeing doctors and nurses talk more together, and they love knowing that there's a wider group of people around the country who are thinking about how to improve the lives of their child and all the children who will come after them. So that is an incredible um, you know, feedback loop for us. Uh, to hear patients and, you know, uh, families, really, most of our patients aren't telling us um, that they're excited <laughs> about the CAP bundle, but to hear those families um, and how appreciative they are of the work that's being done, uh, you know, really is just uh, the cherry on top uh, in, in addition to seeing the outcomes improve and uh, cardiac arrests decrease. Great. And I totally echo that the families definitely notice the commitment to quality and they seem really excited by just seeing that interaction at the bedside. So tell me, Michael, what PC4 accomplishments are you most proud of? Well, I think I'm going to stick to the overarching goal, which is um, to improve the lives of patients and families. And um, so we have a manuscript that has been, uh, been published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology showing how outcomes have improved over time for hospitals who are in uh, PC4. And uh, to briefly summarize those findings, we looked at the first 18 hospitals to join PC4 because they had accrued enough data by the time that we did this analysis. Um, these were hospitals who had at least two years um, in the collaborative, and then an additional six months of data. And there were some that had an initial two years of data, some just more around six months, but you needed to have two years of baseline data and then six months or more of follow-up data. And our hypothesis was that after the first two years of participating in PC4, this is when we'd start to see improvement because we felt hospitals had enough time to get a sense of where their outcomes were, where there was need for improvement, and they would have had an opportunity at that point to maybe instill some changes in their uh, practices uh, and organization. And so we just simply looked at how outcomes changed after those first two years of uh, baseline in the organization and in the collaborative. And we were pleased to see um, really big, important improvements in uh, metrics like post-operative mortality, about a 22% reduction after two years of participation in uh, duration of mechanical ventilation, uh, post-operative mechanical ventilation, about a 13% reduction, and in cardiac ICU length of stay, about a 5% reduction, which 
may not sound like much, but when you uh, multiply that over, you know, 600 ICU admissions per year, it's really a pretty substantial savings in resources. So, you know, this told us that, hey, this is working and we don't totally understand exactly why, you know, there may be a Hawthorne effect of people just being aware of their outcomes. Um, You know, that's really been demonstrated many, many times in healthcare before. Um, Certainly, we hope that hospitals are engaging in collaborative learning, both formally and informally, that's helping to drive practice changes. Uh, But there certainly didn't seem to be any evidence that hospitals were improving during the baseline period. It was really only after those first two years that we started to see improvements. And when we looked at a group of hospitals not in PC4 and we looked at their outcomes in the STS database, there really wasn't any suggestion that they were improving over the same period of time. So this doesn't seem to be a secular trend in improvement within cardiac critical care. It really seems to be isolated to the PC4 hospitals. So, you know, to see that kind of improvement just by participating in PC4 with really no other targeted intervention, that's my proudest accomplishment for our organization. This was about saving lives and improving lives for patients and families with critical congenital heart disease. And I think the data would really strongly suggest that we're achieving that goal. We got a lot of work still to do, but I think we're all really satisfied and it's inspired us to to keep working. Great. Those outcomes are remarkable to hear. And it it just astounds me that, you know, without any specific targeted, you know, process change or intervention, just being a participant can make such a big difference. Um, so thinking back to, you know, over 10 years ago when you were fellowship Michael <laughs> and looking now, what surprises you the most? Well, what surprised me the most is that we started this process with the idea that the cornerstone of PC4 was going to be transparent data sharing. That to be a part of PC4 as a hospital, you had to commit to sharing your data with other hospitals in an unblinded fashion, you know, to put it all out there, to air your dirty laundry, if you will. And there are a lot of folks who told us at the time that that wasn't going to be possible. But the people who were in the room when we laid out our mission and vision and we laid out our approach believed that this was possible and believed that this is what people really wanted and could respond to. And I guess what I've been most surprised by is that there really hasn't been resistance to this. You can think of all the reasons why people would be negatively motivated to shy away from transparency with one another and to be suspicious of how um, other hospitals might use those data. But really, those types of stories are you know almost non-existent and the way people have embraced the concept of transparency between institutions without the um, hiccups and roadblocks that maybe some predicted for us has been the most pleasant surprise and um, I think it really speaks to the goodness in people who take care of kids uh, for a living that um, you know we know that we're all in this together and that we're um, not going to use these data for bad, but we're going to use it to, for good. 
And so maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but uh, it certainly, you know, is just wonderful to think about how people have responded to this concept um, over and over and over again over the last 10 years. Great. And my last question for you is, you already sort of mentioned Cardiac Networks United and collaborating with other collaboratives, but where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, I think um, getting like-minded people and organizations together to make the best use of data and expertise is certainly an area that we need to focus on. And that's what Cardiac Networks is all about. Um, you know, if we can share infrastructure and resources and data, we have an opportunity to do great things across a patient's lifespan. Um, and I think that's really, you know, crucial for us. It's you know, sort of a corollary to this is that, you know, we we started PC4 and we were really focused on the ICU and the episode of care in the ICU. But we know that that is still just a small part of a patient and a family's experience with congenital heart disease and critical cardiovascular disease. And so, you know, the work that we're doing to find ways to collect data longitudinally um, to, you know, understand how what we do in the ICU affects kids in the long term, not just the short term, is really a crucial move forward, you know, a step forward for uh, PC4 and for the whole community. And so, you know, I'm very excited about the opportunities that Cardiac Networks United offers us in that area. The other really important aspect of growth in my mind, is the international community. Um, these efforts, like what PC4 is, have typically been focused on North America. And there are reasons for that. We do have more resources for participating in registries and collaboratives in North America than our colleagues around the world. But from the very beginning, when we put made our vision um, uh, statement about PC4, we talked about the international aspect. And we remain committed to disseminating our work throughout the international community, to increasing direct engagement with the international community, and um, you know, finding the best way to deal with the issues of limited resources, but yet still, you know, um, expand the reach of PC4 across the globe so that we can have the biggest impact on the most number of families in the most number of places possible. And um, I would certainly welcome as many people from our PCICS international community who want to think about how to develop that relationship and that association um, to benefit their patients. Though it may not look exactly like what it does for North American hospitals and providers who participate in PC4, there's, there may be different models out there. And to the degree that we can you know, help the international community and partner with organizations who are working in the international community, uh, we very much want to. And the final note I'll make on that is that just last week, we officially uh, completed the paperwork to have our first non-North American hospital, Aga Khan University in Karachi, Pakistan, uh, join PC4. And we're absolutely thrilled about that step. And uh, you know, I think it's a testament to the organization's commitment to the international community. Well, congratulations on that expansion. It's very exciting to hear that. And I can't wait to see what the future brings. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining me. And thank you for all that you've done to really shape the way that we understand and care for kids in the pediatric cardiac ICU. 
Well, it's been a pleasure, David, and it always uh, uh, it's my pleasure to sit down with you at any opportunity. And uh, thanks to the PCICS community for uh, allowing us to talk about this. Thank you. To all our listeners, thank you for listening to the PCICS podcast. Please don't forget to look for other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or subscribe to get all the latest episodes as they're released. Once again, find out more at our website, pcics.org. The song I Don't Know by Graves is used under a Creative Commons 3.0.